0: There are two types of people who read this book. Either you associate way too deeply with her or you just don't get it at all. And I think both of us definitely associated with her.
1: Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jen Miller, and with me today is Ella Kopaikin, lover of L.A. culture and really good storytelling. Before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the book's review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come right back to this episode, but if you're just here for the fun-loving and maybe sometimes heated conversation, then welcome. We're so glad you're here. So whether you want to read one, none, or all of these books, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. So you may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to no matter how you like your books. You can tell us your opinions and your hot takes of all of the books we read on our Instagram and TikTok at Podcast. That's at r-w-r-e-a-d-s-p-o-d-c-i-s-t. We want to hear from you, so please Come visit our Instagram and TikTok and let us know what you think. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week, we read Mean Baby by Selma Blair.
0: Jenna's engagement episode. Hello! So exciting! Recording at 11.30 in the morning! (laughs) Get dirt, Get
1: dirt for the rest of the day. Yes, it's been a week. It's uh, Thanksgiving and I got engaged, so.
0: Huge. Just simply huge.
1: But that also derailed my plans to do a Thanksgiving episode with my mom and grandma because that just didn't happen because they were both acting very weird on monday
0: we'll give you a free pass for this one jenna i think that you um you're allowed you know the podcast i know is most first priority but in this case the engagement was the first priority <laughs> always
1: that's always yeah right well um i'm not drinking anything because i was telling ella i literally ran from the car into this interview so <laughs> i did not get a chance to grab a drink on my way up and it's 11 30 in the morning
0: yeah i was gonna say like You know, as much as I'm dedicated to this podcast, I did not feel like cracking open some sort of alcohol on a Sunday at 11.30 in the morning. It's
1: an acquired acquired taste, unless I have a mimosa, so... (laughs) Anyway. Anyways, so today we are talking about the book, Mean Baby, a memoir by Selma Blair. It's a relatively new... Yeah, it came out 2022.
0: <laughs> it came out, yes, yeah, sometime this year. Who knows when?
1: In May. Okay. So yes, it came out in May 2022. So it's a very recent memoir, and uh, it got a four out of five on Goodreads. So people really like this book. Wow. It has a 4.5 rating star rating on Amazon with 1,400 reviews.
0: It doesn't surprise me. I, but it's it's great that people loved it as much as we did.
1: Yeah, and I think we'll get into it. But I think, you know, memoirs, unfortunately, are really only as good as the story that they're telling. And also the kind of the name behind it is also something I was working for a publishing company where we would get thousands and thousands of memoir pitch ideas coming through. But unless you had a big enough following to sell your story, it's like you have the very rare people coming through, like Tara Westover, who really didn't have a following, but her story was so insane that it breaks through. I don't know. It's just such a weird genre because you, it's just so hard to kind of break through. Yeah. And for someone like Selma Blair, who has that kind of celebrity background and kind of has that name recognition, it is easier for this book to get into the hands of people. But also like for someone like me, I hear the name Selma Blair and I'm not immediately like, it took me a little bit to be like, oh, I do know who she is. Really, like I knew maybe A third of the story that she told The rest of it was insane
0: And I also think like the other part of the memoir is even if you have a big enough following to publish, you still have to be a good enough writer. And oftentimes people are not good enough writers. And so when I read this, I, like you, was like, oh, okay, you know, I know who she is. I really like her acting work. You know, obviously after she came out as having, being diagnosed with MS, she became kind of more in my consciousness, but I didn't know any of this. And I don't think most people knew any of this. And she told it so beautifully and so eloquently. And I think like, even though there's a lot of surprising things in this book, The most surprising thing is how good of an author she is. Well, and she pulls like little quotes
1: from like her childhood, like writing. And even then, as a kid, just has such a distinct voice and has such a distinct way of writing. Mm -hmm. And it totally comes through in her writing. And I was about to say, yeah, once you have the story, once you have, you know, this following, and once you have people that are lining up to buy your book, it has to be written well. (laughs) It has to be like told in a way that people actually want to read it. Yeah, you could tell stories all you want, but it has to like read well. And I think... Yeah, she was a phenomenal writer. And you could tell that, like, I don't know, there was a lot of thought that went into this book and how it was structured and how and how she wanted to tell these stories. Because she was very careful to say, like, parts of her life she was an alcoholic, so she doesn't remember a whole lot. And so she was very careful to say, like, this is what I remember. But, like, who knows if this is the truth? Like, this is my blurry remembrance of everything. And I think that that is interesting I, in, in memoir writing because I remember like taking a class on it and it's your version of the truth of how you grew up and how you re- like felt, you know, felt your mother's love and saw how your mother was interacting with people was could be completely different from let's say her sister Katie like it it's so interesting like how when you're writing a memoir this is how you like see things and it's in you i think it's important for the author to keep noting that because it's one version of the truth of how it happened and how it felt to her but i think like sometimes sometimes some memoirs take it of like this is the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth type deal
0: <laughs> yeah For sure. That was also, again, just a testament to her writing is she was, she wasn't um, scared to say what her truth was. But at the same time, she was very conscious of saying this is my perspective. And I'm sure there are other perspectives on this. And also being vulnerable enough to say I was an asshole and I know that I was an asshole. And I'm just going to say this. And I know that it's not a good enough defense, but this is what happened. Bravo. That's really hard to do. It's really hard to not be defensive. It's really hard to not have to find another way to explain something and justify yourself. And so she was willing to be very open and say, I know that I acted poorly here's why I acted poorly, but it doesn't mean I didn't act poorly.
1: Yeah, and I think it it's also such a testament to her character, the amount of people she went back and, like, said, I'm sorry. Yeah. I—I I, I, Like, she apologized to everyone. Like, she apologized to the people that she bit. She apologized <laughs> to Scarlett Johansson. She apologized to Britney Spears about the, the whole uh, throwing away her flip-flops at rehab. Like, that's just, I don't know. It's just such a testament to, like, yeah, I messed up. Sorry. And then they become friends, and it's like, it's so interesting. I don't know. Her whole story was just fascinating.
0: <laughs> yeah, super, super fascinating. And I, I mean, should we, like, should we, do we, are we doing characters? Because we kind of can, I guess. Yeah, we can do that. Because I mean, obviously it's a true story, but it's like, I feel like the biggest characters are like Selma, her mom. There's Elliot, her dad. She has sisters. Definitely her son Arthur is a really, really, Selma's son Arthur is a really big character. I'm trying to think if there's any other really big names.
1: Um, Well, Carrie Fisher was like a good friend of hers. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Reese Witherspoon was another big friend and like...
0: Sarah Michelle Gellar.
1: Yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar.
0: But those are kind of the biggies. And
1: then... I guess we could kind of do a rundown of like the plot, I guess. (laughs)
0: The plot of her life.
1: But, you know, she grows up in Michigan. She has um, three older sisters. Her mother is very, she calls her like the waspy type. So she's very like, has to have her makeup all done and her hair all done. And, you know, always has a drink in her hand, always is like has dinner on the table. Is very just this like housewife woman, but she's also very like strong willed and doesn't Give her daughters a whole lot of like physical love and is really making a lot of comments on their appearance for her whole life. And so that's probably got to do something to your head. Yeah. And she, you know, describes from the minute she was born, she looked like a mean baby with her like eyebrows furled. and, uh, And, you know, like she's like, as soon as people start putting that label on you, it's hard to not kind of grow into that. Yeah. And so she kind of becomes a little punk of a kid.
0: <laughs> yeah, Selma is not... Selma is not a nice kid.
1: <laughs> she is not. You know, she's an outcast. She's mean... You know, she's like kind of a punk to her friends. She ends up developing a drinking problem at a very young age. Very like seven. Seven years old is the first time she gets drunk, which is just wild. And, you know, and then she finally... Moves to New York, and that's where she gets her first acting job, right?
0: I think so, yeah. But at that point, she's, yeah, she starts, like, getting the acting bug, but then she has pretty much developed a full alcohol dependency by that point and gets into some very rough situations, often involving rape. The, that's probably the, one of the darker parts of the book is her time in New York before she goes to LA.
1: Yep. And then she goes to LA and starts kind of starring in her big breaks. You know, she stars Cruel Intentions, Cruel Intentions, Legally Blonde, Hellboy. Like she really starts to like get those big acting jobs. And it's honestly like this was, I don't know if I should say this now or if we wait, but like one of the, (laughs) one of like the, the parts that I really liked about Or, like, that I found really fascinating about her story and her time in L.A. was her always trying out for these roles for, like, the girl next door, the girl that everyone loves and wants to be, and, like, her always getting turned down for these roles. Because they're just like, you don't look like the girl next door. You look too mean. You look too, (laughs) like, unapproachable. And then finally she just gets fed up and she has an a, like, she has a-, a casting role and she just is like fed up and starts giving attitude to the casting director. And he's like, yes, I want you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. She realizes her niche. And then I'd say, so after LA, it kind of, LA is kind of a big part. because She kind of like settles into her life. She ends up getting married, then gets divorced. Then she meets another partner who she then has a kid with, but the two I would say like themes throughout the whole book one is alcoholism and the other one is her MS that she doesn't realize is her MS and so the last part of the book is really her after having this like kind of climaxing event or this like catalyzing event where in Mexico she is on the plane ride back and she totally blacks out because she's been having she's been medicating herself with drugs and then out too much alcohol and she unknowingly basically has this freak out of the plane luckily her son sleeps through it but she kind of wakes up and realizes like she is an alcoholic she cannot do this anymore if she wants to be a good mother to her kid and also that she clearly has some stuff going on and pretty soon after that she gets diagnosed with MS and that's kind of when she realizes her new role is to be like this public figure Mm. for this disease and just to be more vulnerable than she's ever been and i think that's she ultimately realizes that she wants to be a person who is about truth and honor
1: yeah it's fascinating how she writes when she writes looking back at her alcoholism because she's like i drink to escape and i drink to get out of my body And as I left my body, others entered my body. Yeah. That part to me was like, so I was like, God, I mean, I was like on the plane, like tearing up. And, you know, she's talking about how even to this day writing these, I mean, you've got to imagine writing these stories and, like, kind of confessing these, like, deep, dark things that she's probably kept inside for, for, you know, very long time. And she even writes, like, some stories. And then at the end of it, it's like, no, I hadn't told anyone until this day, you know? Yeah, until I wrote this. And just having to, like, relive those memories. But you know that getting your story out there is going to be so therapeutic. But actually having to write that, like, I can't even imagine doing something like that.
0: No, I can't. I can't imagine. I mean, there's so many parts of it. I I Obviously, I think a part that probably a lot of people including myself found really moving is her letter at the end to her son she's writing this with the knowledge that one day he will read this one day he will know all of this and she doesn't want to lie to him and I think ultimately like it's really beautiful that she knows who she's writing this for and it isn't for any of us she hopes we all like it but it really is for herself and for her son and I it just it brought me to tears because it's like that's, that's who matters to her. And I think very few people in the public eye are as willing to, to just be that open. I keep saying that, but it's just true. Well, and I think she is very different
1: from a lot of actors in Hollywood because she had this line that stuck with me because I was like, that feels like me as well. But it's like, I'm not the type of person that wants to be out. Like, I'm the type of person that wants to be inside, like, reading a book and going to bed. And, like, so when she's out in a social drinking situation, she doesn't know how to handle herself. And so, like, she ends up biting people. She ends up making weird weird interactions with people. It's comical, but it's like, you know, she was put in a position that wasn't her. And so her hand was forced. And then, like, this is how she, you know, handled it. But, like, it's someone that was destined for acting but not destined for Hollywood. It's just that weird push and pull because d like uh, when she goes to the see the um psychic and they were like one of the psychics that she sees and they told her like you know you're not going to be a great actress but you're going to like kind of achieve that you know recognition through advocacy <laughs> and she was like frick no <laughs> like that's not what that's absolutely not
0: she's like i'm not an advocate for anything no
1: I- <laughs> <laughs> and so i don't know it's just it her yeah i don't know it's just like it could have gone a very dark direction
0: And it did for
1: a while. And it did. But like to be able to pull out of that and to be able to like, unfortunately, have a diagnosis that is like terrible. But also it, you know, helped her see a lot clearer and see what her life was in a lot in a clearer light. And it's like, okay, well, now I have a purpose and now I can be the mother that I want to be to my son. I can like be this role model that I've been trying so hard to like find in my own life.
0: So much that I would like to talk about. First of all, though, that was the the quote about the reading was also the quote that I was going to pull up because I think that like there are two types of people who read this book and either you associate way too deeply with her Or you just don't get it at all. And I think both of us definitely associated with her. So I do just want to read like some quotes from that specific page because it really is a good summation of how she writes and also just like why she's so awesome. So yeah, uh, here it is. The truth is I'm a person who is meant to stay at home and read books, maybe have a nice dinner and then put myself to bed. That is the life I'm built for. When I'm out in public, it's as if my system gets overwhelmed and instantaneously short circuits. In my life, social interactions have been cumbersome. I'm a loner. But when I talk to people, I overcompensate and try to give them their money's worth, even if no one asked and no one paid. I get overstimulated, unreadable. But then the other part I do want to read is the end of that page where she says, Those who are willing to play, those who are willing to see, once a person has patience for me, I calm down. I'm a slow bird. Someone has to really like me in order to be with me. It's just one of the reasons I love the friends I have so much. The ones who understood me and loved me just the same. People who are famous, there is an idea that you are supposed to be calculated, that you're supposed to have a perfect image and you are not like others. You are not quote unquote normal. You have to be on it all the time. And this is a person who was unable to do that, who was unable to be the star who had everything together. And that is what in the end has made her so much more likable than most famous people.
1: Oh yeah. And I think it, I, I love those quotes because it is like that short circuit idea. It is. It's like, I feel like whenever I get put into a social situation, I have to tell everyone my, like my entire life story. Yes. And it's like, why did I, why did I tell this person like that deep dark secret I had in middle school. Like, what? Like how why did that come out? And so like I, I that part I was like, Yep, I've been there. I've done that. I've hundred percent done that. And like I talk about that all the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm totally the person that's like, I'm unfortunately that type of person who's probably gonna tell you, Oh, sorry, I can't come out tonight when I'm like in bed reading and I got to a really good chapter and I'm just I just wanna stay there. And so I'm totally that type of person. But it it's it's nice to hear that there is an actor who was incredibly successful and she was like, Yeah, that was me. Like I could not handle myself in a social situation. And like she had more of a darker take to it, but in the same sense, it's like with everything, it was like she hugged Anna Winter.
0: I know, I know, there are just so many moments where you're like, oh my god, that's literally what I would have done. Like, I literally would have done that. I would have, like, <laughs> bit somebody. I would have, like, like, there are just so many instances where you're like, oh my god, thank god you did that because I know I would have done that and it, you survived it and you're okay. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, should we talk about her mom? Yes, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah.
0: You start us off, you start us off. Well, okay, so... One
1: thing that bugged me, and maybe this is because now I got weddings on my mind, but she gets married. So she gets married to Ahmet Zappa. Ahmet,
0: yeah. Zappa. Zappa. But or
1: her mother like writes to her and was pretty much like, you're not meant for marriage. This is going to end in a divorce. Um, so I'm not going to come. And then it ends in a divorce. And so like, of course, you know, Selma comes back to her mother and she's like, I'm so sorry. It did end in a divorce. Thank you very much. And she's like, and right then I knew my mother was right. And her mom's just like, yeah, whatever. I still love you. And just like the way she was so forthright about like, you look terrible. Why don't you cut your hair this way? You know, these subtleties of like even the stupid spaghetti where she mixes in the like she didn't mix in the cheese and like all of her family was like oh my gosh and like from that point on you have an eating like an eating disorder it's like those little things in the childhood that could have been prevented if you would have just bit your tongue (laughs) as a mom but like I get it that it was a different time and I get it that her mother was very much in preserving that image but I mean just to have like a child be so concerned and to be like shown her whole life that she is not, like, the typical beauty or whatever. And to have freaking, like, teachers tell her, like, you're skinny. Like, you look good. Like, keep it that way. Drives my gears.
0: The quote that I think sums this up is, there's always one person who gets under our skin, who knows our weak spots in neuroses and can't help but go in for the kill. They're the people who wound us the most because we care so much about what they think. For me, that person is my mother. I, okay, this is going to sound really weird. But my mom and I, super, super close. But she grew up in the 60s in a family that was dysfunctional. And I think that there is a weird nostalgia for like, (laughs) like 60s family dysfunction in our household. Like the movie Terms of Endearment or the movie Postcards from the Edge, which Postcards from the Edge is Carrie Fisher's memoir about her and her mom. And I think that there's just like a deep understanding of that specific kind of trauma within my family and I won't unpack it all this podcast I won't go full Selma but I will say that like reading that there is like this specific culture right, that Selma's mom perpetuates that like I just I so I, I just I understand that to a level like I didn't myself have to go through that but like I get that and she writes about it so powerfully and I think that what she is able to do is convey the fact that her mom genuinely did not mean it. This is someone who was probably not very maternal, who was put in a situation where she had multiple daughters and she did the best that she could do, but she really hurt them in a lot of ways. And whether or not it was intentional, it had long lasting repercussions that like, it's it's hard. It's really hard. And I can't imagine having to wrestle with someone who you love so deeply, who you know is also the root of so many of your issues. And it's amazing that Selma is able to still have so much love for her mom despite all of that. But like it really is an amazing lesson in the fact that like words have power and they especially have power when you're a kid and they don't always go away you know we as people are not always able to overcome the words and phrases that are assigned to us she writes uh, something along that line and it's just like okay i understand i understand this family i understand this mother and i'm so sorry that she had to go through that but also what an amazing lesson in saying like this is how it happened this is how the cookie crumbled she's still my mom i'm still her daughter Uh, but things were hurt people were hurt And people were discarded. And a lot has had to be done for us to make up for all of that, you know? Oh, 100%.
1: And my mom and I have, like, the best relationship. But even, like, as a young kid, just tiny comments that I'm sure came out because of, like, how, you know, the years that she grew up in. And, like, you know, she was part of a sorority and surrounded by these, you know, young women in that time that were, like, so concerned on how they looked and what they eating and all this stuff. But like as a young kid, you know, even coming, even coming home from college and I am grabbing, like, I'm still grappling with like feeling comfortable with myself of what I'm eating and what I'm putting in my body and how I look. Because as a kid, I was like doing sports and I was going left and right. Everything just burned right off. You know, you're just like a kid and everything's going off. But when you get into college, it's a completely different story. And I like remember, I was like, I was had a bagel and I put the half of the bagel in the toaster oven. And then I took out, I don't even remember what it was, maybe like half a croissant or something. And I was like eating the croissant while I was waiting for my bagel. And my mom just comes down and she's like, oh, are you eating both of those? And I just looked down and I was like, mm, guess not. <laughs> like that was the smallest scale. And to know that like that was blown up to be like 10 times more severe and probably more like often how much that would hurt your young kid growing up. That made me think because I was like, I know how much weight those types of comments held in my experience. It just like made my heart break.
0: Writing about family is really hard because this is a person who obviously like raised you and clothed you and gave you your fundamental understandings of the world right but also she's writing about this person having these detrimental effects on how she saw herself you know she had an eating disorder for most of her life there are, there is just so much dysfunction that there is to unpack and the other half of this that isn't revolving around her mother is revolving around a lot of Men who felt that they could be physically and emotionally repulsive. And sexually violent. Like, she has this whole chapter about this teacher at her high school who, like, literally, I mean, thankfully didn't do anything worse, but groped her and made horrible comments. And she, at a school that she felt really safe in, and she basically had to withstand him in order to stay with all her friends and, like, stay in an environment that she otherwise felt comfortable in. And I mean, this, like, You wonder how, you realize how resilient people are reading this book, because this is someone who's gone through every bad experience, basically, that you could go through in a lot of ways and has come out. I mean, obviously not every, but a lot of bad experiences and has come out on the other side of it being so reflective and so humble and funny and honest and giving. Yeah.
1: It's like an interesting time for this book to like, for me to read this book, because we had taken a masterclass, Casey and I, about uh, communication from Robin Roberts. (laughs) She's the anchor. She's great. Uh, But she gives her masterclass and she talks about the interview that she had with Selma Blair. And she was like, Selma wasn't giving out any interviews, was still very much in the, the beginning of her advocacy transition. She had, she was like pretty newly sober, was like, her kid, I think, was only five at the time or like four or five at the time, she was still very in the in the dark about a lot of things. And like Robin just like went over to her house and they were like pretty good friends. And she was like, listen, I just like want to tell your story and tell the world your story because you've come such a long way. And let's show them like how far you've come. Let's show them that like you're the bigger person here. And it's just like that was that interview that kind of think I think like sparked the new career that she has made in the advocacy world, even just being able to open up In front of like that many people. And she had like kind of a pretty severe like MS attack right around that same time as the interview. So even like speaking was like tough for her. And so like that also shows, you know, she could have said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it yet but then she goes ahead and like has this interview that like breaks the internet. (laughs) It's just like, nobody can like stop talking about it. And so I just remember like watching that. I was like, God, like, that's insane. And then when you brought up the book, I was like, yes, (laughs) I need to know more about her. And I need to know like how she became who she is because she's totally one of those actors that could have just faded into the background. And yet like she's having this resurgence and like coming forth and being so open and people are connecting with her again after her being out of the acting world for so long. It's just, I don't know. She's just like an incredible human being.
0: (laughs) She very easily could have kept along that ethos of being like, you know, the girl that Hollywood and all of us knew as like that actor who, oh, right. She was in that. But because she has proven herself, and it's not like she sought out to prove herself either. Because she's shown that she's like this really resilient, eloquent, highly intelligent, just brutally honest to the, in the best way person, she will be remembered. Yeah, I kind of said it better myself. Like, the fact that she is able to come out at the end having us still find love for her mom in the same way that she was able to, it's not an easy task that she set up for herself. And it's not an easy task that her mom set up for her either, whether her mom intentionally did that or not. Really, really, I'm just consistently amazed by her and her un... Ending compassion for people. Very few of us are able to be that kind of just vulnerable to everyone.
1: No, it's so true. You you have the bits where her mother is you know ragging on her for various things, but you have the moments where you know she tells her mother about this uh, teacher at our high school who's groping her and who's being emotionally abusive, and her mother's like, "Well, you have to tough it out." But at graduation, he comes up to her and he's like, "Congrats, Selma." And then the mom's just like, "Get." the F away <laughs> and like stay away. And you know, and you can see she's hurt and you can see that she's like standing up for her daughter. So you do see these glimpses of like who her mom, like her redeeming factors and how Selma saw those as redeeming factors as well. And so it is, it is quite the line to walk, to be like, yes, she was like verbally and emotionally abusive for a lot of my life. But you know, she did these great things. She stood up for me. She, she taught me some really important lessons in life. You know, she, you know, for the most part, like loved me, like loved me deeply. And so it's like, it's so, eh, I don't know. I give her props for taking us along that ride and being able to walk that line and taking us to the end without falling one way or the other.
0: It's just, yeah, I've never, I've never seen a mother, daughter, or really parent child journey depicted in this way. And I just think it's really great that it's out there. Same. Yeah. Well, Let's get into final ratings. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I will
1: give this, honestly, five out of five. This goes down in probably top memoirs that I've read. It, it goes up there um, in that list. Just... The story itself was written in a beautiful way. It was literary. You highlight things. You want to you actually want to take things with you. And it wasn't just like a one and done story. Um, It was linear, but also kind of would connect back to different parts in her life. And I think like the way she integrated different stories really helped you understand the different points in her life and how she was feeling the way At that point in your life, it's easy to go chronological and like tell the story, but being able to kind of weave in these different aspects of like, oh, and by the way, when I was at this age, this is what happened. And this is why that kind of led me to this part of my life. Doing that really helped round her character and kind of see her as this, you know, very complex person as all people are, but it's very hard to get across in writing. So I just think her writing was beautifully told and like storytelling was phenomenal. Um, And then just again, I think you come out at the other side, really understanding her and being able to be sympathetic with her and also like she doesn't ever blame anyone else for anything that's ever happened. It's very much, this is what happened to me and it sucked. And here's what I took away from it. But it wasn't ever like, oh, because this person did this, this is why I'm the way I am. It was very much like I effed up. I apologize to the people I needed to apologize to. (laughs) I apologized to Britney Spears. That's still one of my favorite stories. She got to where she got because of all the experiences she had. And so I think it's very, I don't know. It's just like a very special memoir because you really get a behind-the-scenes look for someone, for not even like a huge actor, but just someone who made it to Hollywood, but like didn't have a very good go at it, and then has found purpose in something else and is very special.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, a wonderfully said. Yeah, I also give it a five out of five. I think that. So often today, especially in the age of social media, we are constantly told, like, what we should be living up to or, like, how our life should look family-wise, relationship-wise, friendship-wise, etc. And she just makes everything okay. And not in a way that's like, oh, you should, you know be a total jerk and everyone should automatically forgive you. But in a way that's like, yeah, we all have really messy histories and we all have had really bad things happen to us. And a lot of times those bad things happen because we aren't taking care of ourselves or we're being mean to other people. We're responsible. And other times we're not responsible. We're all going to have these really hard lives. And some of us are going to have harder lives than others. But yeah, and I just, I could not get over how good she was at writing. That was the other part of it was just like, not only is she saying this incredible message, not only is she being so incredibly honest, but she is so good at writing. She has such an articulate voice. And I agree. It's definitely one of the best memoirs I've ever read. She's just awesome. Wow. Love that.
1: That's it. Now we'll get into pairings, of course. TV shows, movies, and other books that remind us of this book. Uh, memoirs are kind of funky because, uh, <laughs> you know, it's someone's very unique uh, story, life story. And most of mine are books. Um, it's hard to find TV shows and movies that relate, but I'm sure you do because you have a vast expanse of movie knowledge.
0: You, but you have a vast expanse of book knowledge. So, you know, that's where we meet in the middle. Yeah. So we go together. <laughs> yay also i just want to say normally we would do an alcohol pairing but i feel like there is the only pairing for this book is sober water dry january yeah yeah i agree
1: that would be very distasteful (laughs) yeah so my books um i yeah the Liar's club by mary carr she this was a memoir i read in college and it's probably it's still like hands down one of the best memoirs i've ever read it just sends you right into her life and it's crazy very good memoir. Um, I would say Michelle Obama's becoming in the fact that Michelle Obama is this person, this figure that you see and you think that, you know, a lot about her. And then you read her memoir and you're like, I knew nothing about her. <laughs> and I think like that's how I felt with Selma Blair. I'm like, I think I know like most of what happened in her life. And then it's like, nope, I knew nothing. And then I'm thinking of um, Traveling Mercies by Anne Lamott. That one is also phenomenal. Uh, If you want another kind of memoir type book, Anne Anne Lamott is just like a fabulous author. And I really love her writing style. And it reminds me a lot of Selma's writing style. Um, So I would go with that as well for my books. I'm sorry, I did not prep TV shows or movies. So if you want to go, I'll see if I can find any.
0: (laughs) Okay, there's really only one movie that's the perfect pairing for this. And that's the documentary introducing Selma Blair, which is very, very good. And is just kind of a great visual companion to this book. I I would say that the book focuses more ultimately on her family and on her alcoholism and on her kind of like career than it does with her MS. Her MS is a through line through this book, but it's not the main focus of the book, uh, whereas her MS journey is the main focus of this documentary. So... I would just say if you read this book and want to know more, or maybe if you're like, uh, I'm not a huge reader, I don't really have the time, but I like do really want to know more about Selma Blair, definitely watch Introducing Selma Blair. As far as TV shows go, both shows by Josh Thomas, who is an Australian comedian and writer. Please Like Me is his first show, and Everything's Gonna Be Okay is his second show. And Please Like Me is about... I mean, it's fiction. both shows are fictional, but they both deal with real-life things from his life. So Please Like Me is about him realizing that he's gay at the same time that his mom is, having, uh, is realizing that she's bipolar. And then Everything's Gonna Be Okay is about... Like, is a totally fictionalized version of uh, of him. He basically plays this guy who, he's the stepbrother to these two teenage girls, and one of them has autism, and then in the second season of the show, he realizes that he has, or, no, sorry, he never realizes that he has autism in the show, but through making the show in real life, he realized that he had autism. They're both just kind of really interesting journeys about like, well, the first one is a really complex mother-son relationship, which reminded me a lot of their dynamic reminds me a lot of what Selma and her mother's dynamic is. So I would say Please Like Me is great for that, but also Everything's Gonna Be Okay is, is great for kind of realizing and living with something that is, you know, in that case, it's neurodivergence, but it's like, in the same way as like MS kind of realizing that you have this thing that makes you different than what society has established as average and why that thing can be amazing and why that thing can sometimes be very difficult and just living with it. Um, and so yeah, both of those shows are great. And then uh, book-wise, I thought of Prozac Nation. It's Elizabeth Wurzel's autobiography about how she realized that she was super, Depressed, And it is not an easy read. Let me tell you something. I read it last year for the first time because it was part of my dissertation work, but also I'd wanted to read it for a really long time. And it is very intense. It deals with a lot of very intense things like suicide attempts and anxiety and self-medication with drugs and alcohol and also another very, very difficult mother-daughter and relationship that I... Is not quite as, I would say, forgiving or redeeming as Selma and her moms. But again, it's about self-medicating and then later learning how to live with something that is, I, again... Not an easy battle, but ultimately makes someone a better person for once they have their diagnosis and once they learn to live with their diagnosis that one that one I would say is not for the faint of heart. I would say this is a much easier reader than prosscation, yeah, as you were talking, I was
1: thinking of a uh, dope sick the t v series um about the opioid e- uh, epidemic, and that one's tough to watch so just yeah be uh michael keaton like his journey definitely uh, is similar to like selma blair's in the in the relapse and like the it just takes like one drink it just takes one thing one trigger to set it all off and then Movie wise I was thinking of Glass Hotel just the family dynamics or sorry Glass Glass Castle <laughs> Glass Castle Jeannette Walls yeah that's also a book so you can go read the book but that family dynamic is wild uh but like that's just kind of that redeeming family story of how you can be so upset with your parents and how they raised you but how she kind of did come around in the end to forgive them and to ultimately kind of reconnect um but yeah, those are my ones. Or just go watch Legally Blonde. That's Selma Blair at her peak right there.
0: <laughs> oh my God, actually true. Also, I did just want to correct myself. So actually in everything is going to be okay. Josh Thomas, Josh Thomas's character also does get diagnosed with autism. But yeah, that's true. Go watch Legally Blonde. Go watch Cruel Intentions. Here's the here's the other part of this is that Selma Blair is really fucking good at acting. Like she's really good. Like go watch everything she did in the 90s. She rules. Yeah
1: just go do it well that's our conversation on a memoir on the memoir mean baby go go forth go forth go read it it's seriously so good bye (laughs) bye bye (laughs) well that's the show thanks so much for listening if you liked it please go give it five stars on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you're listening to this right now if you want more book related content you can find us on instagram and tiktok at rw reads podcast again that's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all.